Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 23. Um, Lots to dive into combat sports. We can do a little would you rather, strictly on would you rather have a player, one or two players who would you rather have. We'll do, we're going to do four NBA, four NFL. We're going to do, we're going to split it up there. We're going to do two from this year's NBA draft, two, or two would you rather from this year's NBA draft, two active players, same thing for football, two from this year's draft, two active. Then we'll get into NBA overreaction or not, final four predictions. Um, then obviously this being episode number 23, uh, obviously 23 special special number being LeBron James' number. Yes, it is LeBron's number. So I'm going to get into my top 10 favorite moments of Le- over LeBron's career, whether that be a series, a playoff run, a specific moment. We'll do my top 10 favorite. Um, then we'll get into NFL. I have my, I'm going to have my um, 1.0. 2021 NBA mock draft and my 2.5 2021 NFL mock draft. So we'll get into combat sports. Obviously, you dive in. Nganu knocked out Miocic last Saturday in round two to become the new undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Um, like I said, I didn't really want to give a prediction on this fight. They're two of my favorite fighters, so I didn't really, I didn't want to see either one of them lose. I had a feeling I, I, I did pick Nganu. ESPN has this little pick them thing they do, and I did pick Nganu to win because I felt. I felt this time he had got he has gotten so much better that, and he got even better than I thought he did. Um, I thought he would end up winning this one. Um, I thought Miocic's game plan was good. Um, you know he rushed in there at the end. That's how he got knocked out. But I think he was just trying to move, making Ganu throw shots and get him tired to maybe take the fight later on. That was the smart game plan. But Ganu this time was so composed. Throwing good strikes, not just wild haymakers, and you know he, you know he catches him bad in that second round, and then Stipe lands a shot on Ngannou that looked to be that he's you know made him stumble backwards, and then obviously he rushes in, Ngannou catches him with that check left hook, all she wrote. Um, Ngannou said he wasn't even hurt; he was just off balance, and he's happy. He said. Obviously, it wasn't a good look that I got that I was out of balance, but at the end, it worked out for the best because Stipe thought he was. He said Stipe thought I was hurt, so I was able to catch him with a clean shot. Tremendous win. Obviously, we're going to get into what's next for him. Um, you know, John Jones has turned down eight to ten million dollar. I have seen some people say that they did offer him ten million dollars, John Jones, and he turned it down. So I'm guessing what's going to happen here is Jones is going to price himself out, and they're going to they're probably going to do in Gondo versus Derek Lewis too next, in my opinion. Um, that would probably be the next fight because, you know, Jones is going to price himself out. So that's, you know, that is what it is. We'll get into that more when we're going to get into what's next here in a little bit. Uh, so Luke, he rocked and then subbed Woodley in the first. Was that it for Woodley? So Woodley looked pretty good early. Um, I think he, he just, in my opinion, he's just not there anymore. Like his, he's mentally just not there for fighting. He had to get, he had to get so reckless and so off his game to force him to fight it just shows to me that he's just not there anymore. That it's not there, and you know you get Vicente Luque is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong, but Tyrone Woodley should beat Vicente Luque in my opinion. Um, so you know, yeah, I think that was it for that was the last fight in his contract. I don't see the UFC resigning him. Could he go fight somewhere else? That's possible. If I was him, I wouldn't. But we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it should be it for Woodley, though, in my opinion. Uh, to a really good career. Yeah, I know he's lost four in a row to end it, but, you know, in fighting, it's how it happens, though. You know, if you st- if you want to stick around for so long, this is what happens, you know. If you fight past your past your prime or 
per se, and, you know, you don't retire early, you know, this can happen. Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's stuck around much longer. I mean, he's stuck around four or five more years. He's going to lose at some point. Everybody's going to lose. It just happens. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's had a hell of a run, though. No, Woodley's one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Top five for sure. You could argue top three. Um, but, yeah, hell of a career, but I think it's time for him to be done. Uh, O'Malley picks up KO finish versus Almeida in round three. Could have finished him in round one, you know, dropped him pretty bad. I think if he definitely hurt him more in the third round than he did in the first round, but if he would have jumped on him in the first round, he would have won that fight in the first round. So, you know, but, you know, he looked great. No matter what happened during that fight, whether he knocked him out or not, he was dominating. His striking so on point. To me, I don't – I can't think of another guy at one – at 135, that puts it all together in the striking department with kicks, knees, elbows, and punches, as well as O'Malley. I don't think there's there, now. I, I'm not saying there's guys with that don't have, don't have better boxing for sure. I think Cody Garbrandt's the best boxer in the division. But putting it all together, you know, kicks, knees, elbows, punches, in the in the, in the stand up. I don't think anybody puts it together as good as O'Malley at 135. That's just my opinion. I think he's the best at doing that. Um, and I think, you know, they're talking Dominic Cruz next. I love that. That's a big step up for him. Uh, the, maybe the Cheeto Vera rematch. would love to see that too. There's a lot of good fights for him. I wouldn't rush him. I would maybe do one more Almeida-level fighter, and then you throw him to Dom Cruz maybe. But he looked phenomenal. And uh, if, if the fight is standing, it's going to be very tough to beat this guy. Like, there's just no one in that division that puts it all together that, that high level. You know, the way he does. Great win for him. Uh, sad new Till is out versus Vittori. Holland has said he's accepted, but I just read Holland tweeted out that Vittori is no longer, Vittori doesn't want the fight. I don't know what that means. Um, so maybe they're looking for a new headliner or not. Uh, Holland obviously coming off the loss to Derek Brunson. He said, I'll step up and fight him. Um, why I don't get why Vittori wouldn't do that. I think it's a very winnable fight for Vittori. It's also a tough, it's also a, you know, it can be a scary fight because Holland is very dangerous, but, you know, he started calling out people, and then he, he even Vittori tweeted out something at Kevin Holland, Big Mouth, and said, yeah, let's do it, sign the contract. Well, Holland's, if Holland signed the contract, what are we doing now? So we'll see what happens there, but, yeah, Till out's a bummer, I think, torn torn rotator cuff, so that's rough because I feel like if Till won this fight, he was going to be fighting for the title next. Izzy wanted that fight, so, you know, yeah, Till being out's a... Not good. Obviously, UFC will bring fans back on April 24th in Jacksonville. Pretty stacked main card. Uh, starts off with Anthony Smith, obviously a staple at 205. He's, you know, great fighter. He's going to welcome the up-and-coming. Big prospect for the light heavyweight division, Jim Crute. I love that fight for Crute. I think it's a great test. I think it's a winnable fight for him as well. Um... Anthony Smith could also drag him in deep waters and beat him, but I think it's a great test. Uh, Weidman versus Uriah Hall, good fight. No winner's going to jump right in there to fight, you know, uh, a Kevin Holland, um, you know, a six, seven, eight rank guy, going to jump in there and fight one of them for sure. So big fight for both Weidman and Hall. Loser looks dicey for them. Winner, you know, you keep going forward. Uh, the third fight in will be uh, Valentina Shevchenko defending her women's flyweight title against Jessica Andrade. You know, Andrade's probably the toughest fighter. Uh, no, Ioana was definitely tougher, but in recent time, Andrade's probably the best woman right now at 125 to contend for the title. So, you know, I think Sevchenko beats her pretty handily, but good fight. 
Uh, Whaley Zane is going to take on, is going to defend her women's strawweight title against Rose Namajunas. Great fight again. This one to me is the most competitive of the three title fights, in my honest opinion. I think it's the one where I would not be shocked if Rose won. I would not be shocked if Whaley won. Um, and then the main event, Kamar Usman defends his welterweight title against Masvidal for a second time. I don't understand this fight still, but what are you going to do? The thing is, the UFC is banking on them drawing big pay-per-view numbers because it did last time. Well, when you have a fight as boring as it was, there's no way it does one one point two million buys this time. I bet it does under a million. I would bet anything it does under a million buys. There's no way it does good. Uh, Masvidal had his run, you know, and I think the sting's off the run now. I think everyone's like kind of died down off the Masvidal hype. The fight was so boring the first time, you know. So yeah, I don't really like it. Um, but they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Uh, I don't think that's very competitive either. I kind of see it going the same way. Uh, TJ Dillashaw will return to uh, headline UFC Fight Night on May 8th against Corey Sandhagen. The winner will fight the winner of the rematch between Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. Um, great fight. I think Dillashaw gets it done. It's going to be good, though. Sandhagen's tough. In my honest opinion, I think this is the uh, this is the toughest fight in the division. For Dillashaw, in my honest opinion. I think this is definitely his toughest matchup. I think he beats Aljamain and Peter Young pretty easy. Um, I think Sandhagen's his toughest, though, and I can't wait for this fight. Cody Garbrandt also back at 135. Obviously, he's waiting for the 125 title fight. He wants to get one fight in. Gets it, t- t- takes a dangerous one, though. Rob Font on a tear. They'll headline UFC fight night on May 22nd. Um, well, the thing, Garbrandt, you know, because Garbrandt knows if even if he wins this, he's not going to get the next title shot at 135. It's going to be Dillashaw or Sandhagen. So, you know, unless he gets a very impressive victory and Dillashaw or Sandhagen's kind of lackluster, which I doubt it will be. But yeah, Garbrandt, good fight. Should be a, somebody's, get, somebody's probably going to sleep there in Garbrandt font. Be a good one. Uh, UFC 262 in Houston will be with fans May 15th. Headlined by Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler for the vacant lightweight title. Great fight. Um, I think it's... Uh, you know, probably the correct choice. In my, it is the correct choice, in my opinion. I didn't think they'd end up going this way. I thought they'd end up going uh, Poirier-Connor. They did offer this fight to Poirier. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, this is the right fight to make for the title. These are probably the two, two of the three most deserving guys to fight for the belt, along with Poirier at 155. So I'm glad they made it. Can't wait for this one. Should be a really good one. And now the co-main on that one will be Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz at 170 pounds, and it will be five rounds. Um... I, people were a little too over, they were a little too much excited about this one. I understand Nate Diaz is back. Well, Nate Diaz couldn't beat Jorge Masvidal, correct? I think Leon Edwards is just a better fighter than Jorge Masvidal as well. I really do. I think Leon Edwards is the third best welterweight in the world right now. I put him behind Colby and Usman. I'm not super high on Masvidal. I would put Masvidal, in my opinion, at probably six or seven. I would go Usman, Covington, Edwards, Burns, Wonderboy. I'm not going to lie. I would go Kiesa. I think Kiesa would beat Jorge Masvidal. I think Kiesa's a better fighter. Um, And I think Edwards is a more difficult matchup for Nate Diaz. You, this is the threat of the takedown. Well, Nate, I understand people, Nate's a good off his back. But... He gets taken down very easily against wrestlers. It's seen before against bigger wrestlers. Look at what Roy McDonald did to him. Leon Edwards, I think, is going to have similar similar game plan. 
He's going to take him down. He's going to drop bombs on Nate. Leon's also a good striker. And he's, you could see, even in the Bilal Muhammad fight, you could see his movement and just how he was stand, uh, standing up looks a lot better than it used to. Even though it ended quickly because the eye poke, it looked a lot more fluid and everything. I don't, and the, the odds makers speak for it. Minus 315, minus 320 to Edwards. Yeah, I see Edwards dominating ADS. But, you know, we'll get into a more, we'll get into a, We'll get into more, in more in-depth prediction as we get closer to May 15th, of course. Um, Hermanson versus Shabazian, booked for UFC 262 on May 15th. Also on that card is Shane Burgos and... I can't think of his name. Brazilian guy, Barboza. And then Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush are on that card as well. Stacked card there as well. Uh, Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam steps in for... Uh, Paulo Costa to fight Robert Whitaker to headline UFC Fight Night on April 17th. So this is coming up. Obviously, UFC has a break this weekend. Then April 10th, hopefully it's Holland versus Vittori, but we don't know. Then after that, it's Whitaker-Gaslam. Uh, uh, obviously, these guys were supposed to fight a while ago when Whitaker was the champ. And then Whitaker got, you know, he got, I think he got, he got ill, correct? A couple days before the fight. So they didn't do that fight. They bumped up Adi Sonia Anderson to the main card. Or no. Oh, was this supposed to go? No, no, no. It was when, yeah, Whitaker was supposed to fight Gaslam after the Ultimate Fighter. Whitaker got injured. Then it became Gaslam versus Izzy for the interim title fight. That's how it went. There we go. We got our, we got we got everything fixed out now. So yeah, that'll be a great fight. Gaslam coming off a really nice performance. Um, this is a big step. For, this is a big fight for him. Big big opportunity. Not a lot of pressure on him. He can go in there and beat Whitaker. He's right back up there for a title shot. Uh, Poirier chose McGregor trilogy over the title fight. Says Dana White. He says he made the correct decision. You know, you get to go have the big payday with Connor, and then if you win, if you're able to win the trilogy, then you go fight for the title again. Why, why even take a chance of fighting for the title, losing, and then losing that Conor payday? Take the Conor payday now. You beat Conor. You go fight for the belt after the Conor payday. And even if you lose to the Conor, you still got that payday, and you're still not far off from a title fight, potentially. So, great choice by Poirier. Uh, Dustin Conor nearly set for UFC 264 on July 10th. They're hoping in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, that should be announced, people are thinking, by this weekend or early next week. Uh, Shemaev will return in July. Was very emotionally announced retirement. He thought he had cancer at the time, so that's why he announced retirement. He was just very worried, over emotional. But he says he will be back in July. He wants Neil Magny. Uh, UFC signs uh, former Cage Warriors champion Patty Pimblett, who is sixteen and three. He can compete at featherweight or lightweight. I'm pretty sure it'll be at lightweight mostly. Uh, kids got star written all over him. Twenty six years old, already nineteen fights. Um, I think this is a very good signing by the UFC, and I can't wait to see who he fights net, who he fights first. Um, Izzy Adesanya under fire for saying he'd rape Kevin Holland if they fought. People are just so ridiculous, taking stuff out of context and stuff, man. It's ridiculous. Um, he's obviously not meaning. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Schaub said this. He's not even. He's not meaning he would sexually assault him. He's saying he would hurt him badly in the octagon. Chill. Stop taking, stop saying stuff like this, that he should be in trouble for saying this. No, he shouldn't. This is the fight business, not the feelings business. Go home. Don't watch. Don't listen. Don't act on it. This isn't, this isn't the mess around, but this is the fight business, not the feelings business. Get over it. 
Let's get over it. So there's some MMA headlines. Get into some boxing headlines. You just look at the boxing and you're like, Jesus, how big of a shit show is boxing at times? Uh, Paul Askren had their first face-off. I mean, what do you want me to say about it? I mean, Jake Paul is the biggest douchebag in, in sports. Askren's your classic dab with the dad jokes, you know. I've gone so back and forth on this, and we're going to obviously get into a prediction as we get closer to April 17th. I've gone so back and forth on who I think is going to win. Um, at first, I thought Jake Paul kills him. And then I was like, you know, Jake Paul hasn't fought anybody. I think Askren's going to drag him into the deep waters and get it done. But then I've been watching and hearing some, you know, high-level boxers and high-level fighters saying how they've uh, seen Jake train and spar, and they say he's damn good, you know, and he's going to go out there and hurt Ben Askren. I really don't know. I'm going to have to do some more, you know, research on the fight, and then I'll make my prediction as we get closer. Right now, I'm leaning Jake Paul, though. Uh, sadly, I want Askren to win. I'll definitely be rooting for Ben Askren. I have a feeling Paul's going to win, but we'll get we'll I'll do some more on it, and then we'll get into it even more. Especially when you know we'll we'll do some. I'm going to announce them after this. Uh, Anderson Silva will take on Julio Chavez Jr. in June or July. Ten round fight at 180 pounds. Good for Anderson. Got his boxing match he wanted. Uh, Chavez should win, but we'll see what happens. He doesn't take much serious anymore. He's looking for the paydays. At this point, uh, Dillian White stops Povedkin in the fourth in the rematch. What's next for him? Well, I'd love to see him fight Deontay Wilder. That should be the fight. You know, you got Fury and Joshua, hopefully soon agreeing to a fight. They've been everyone's been saying three times now. Oh, everything's agreed to. Well, we'll see. We're hoping for July, um, August for the first fight, and then December for the second fight. We'll see what happens though. De La Hoya returning to boxing on July third. Opponent not yet announced. Uh, he said Floyd Mayweather would be a guy he'd love. Triple G. And then he's also said maybe for my first one, I'll just do a high level. Let me get a high level big name UFC fighter. Okay. Um, why? 48, 49 years old on all the drugs. Terrible idea for him. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd just love to see De La Hoya fight Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul could literally beat De La Hoya, too. Dude, there's no way he's going to be good. Ryan Garcia ordered to defend WBC interim title against Javier Fortuna. This is a good fight. Fortuna's 36-2-1 on a three-fight win streak. Sucks that, you know, this is the, the order because Haney, they had to do this order because it was supposed to be Fortuna versus Devin Haney, and now Devin Haney's fighting Jorge Linares on May 21st to defend the WBC undisputed title. So you got these kind of fights have to happen before you can have the big ones happen. Um, Tyson says he's willing. Mike Tyson says he's willing to box. Is he is boxing Evander Holyfield on May 29th? I've seen nothing that says it is in stone and set in stone yet. So we'll see what happens. I hope it happens. Uh, Chizora, Derek Chizora versus uh, Joseph Parker will happen May 1st. Good fight. I think Parker destroys him. Chizora's just looking after each loss he has. Can I get a big name and a big payday? Canelo and Billy Joe will take place at, in Dallas, Texas at AT&T Stadium, May 8th. Fans expected. That's massive. I cannot wait for that. Um, I Like I said, I don't think Billy Joe beats him, but I think he does have the best chance at beating him. So we'll get into what's next. So this is going to go back a long way. Let's go back to the let's go back to, uh, Izzy Yan fight. So Tiago Santos. Uh, I have, I would like, I, really, I only gave one option here to some guys. Some guys I've gave two. Um, 
Tiago Santos, I really think at 205, there's really only one option. Maybe two. But I'm going to say one. You fight the Reyes, Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prozoska, loser. loser. I think that's the only fight to make, really. And for Rakic, Reyes, Yuri, winner. I think those are the only fights to make uh, for him. Um, Islam Makachev, he's talking RDA. My number one option would be Kevin Lee. He's coming back soon. Uh, Kevin Lee and... You know, always had a little rivalry with Khabib shit-talking. Why not fight Islam? I think that's a good matchup, actually, for Kevin Lee. I think his wrestling can do well against Islam. Two would be Dan Hooker. That's more of a good fight for Islam than Hooker. I, if I was Hooker, I'd, I'd steer away from that fight. But for Islam, I think it's a good fight for him. Um, Al Jermaine, Peter Jan, rematch. I don't didn't put another option. There shouldn't be another option. That should just rematch right away. Amanda Nunes, you know, obviously there's not much for her to do and for her to beat. Misha Tate obviously coming back, but... I'm going to say Juliana Pena because the heat there, a little rivalry, or Aspen Ladd. Again, I don't think either of these girls stand a chance in hell, but two new two new bloods, I guess. So Israel Adesanya, I had the Till Vittori winner. Now I don't know. Maybe if Vittori gets, it dominates Kevin Holland, you do that fight. If he fights Kevin Holland. Uh, two, Whitaker Gaslam winner. I know he's fought both, and Gaslam's ranked like eight, but I still wouldn't mind that fight. Uh, either way, if Gaslam can go in there and beat Whitaker, then that proves that he's back. If you go in and beat the number one guy, that proves Kevin, Kelvin Gaslam is back. And if Whitaker beats Gaslam, proves he's still the number one guy, run it back with Whitaker. Jan Blahovic, easy. Glover Teixeira is next. That's not even a question. Uh, that's the fight to make for sure. Dan Ige, uh, one Josh Emmett, be a great slugfest. Emmett's looking for a fight. He's come back from injuries, though, so we'll see when he can come back. A second option would be Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. Another banger of a fight there as well. Uh, Ryan Spann coming off a big win at light heavyweight. I'd put uh, Magomed Ankalaev or Volkan Ozdemir. Two good strikers. Good matchup for Ryan Spann. Bilal Muhammad. He's not going to get Leon, obviously. <laughs> Leon poked the dude in the eye, and now he's a. Uh, you know, now he's fighting Nate Diaz. That's how it works, I guess. But uh, I bet Damian Maya, who's looking for a retirement fight, or Neil Magny, either one of those would be great. Um, but yeah, sucks for Blal that you know the eye poke really screwed up his chances. I don't think he was going to beat Leon Edwards, but it does suck. Well, I had Leon Edwards here. I had Kev- I had Colby Covington or Gilbert Burns, but obviously it's going to be Nate Diaz. Um, that's great. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Uh, Kevin Holland. I had Weidman Hall loser or Brad Tavares. I think he should just take a step back. I heard there's maybe he want to cut to 170. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Just get back on track. That's all you got to do here. Derek Brunson. Jared Kennedy or Paulo Costa. Both ranked ahead of you. Paulo's injured. We don't know how long. Jared Kennedy is looking for a fight, so why not do Kennedy versus Brunson next? I think it's a great fight. Sean O'Malley. I put one Dominic Cruz. Two Cheeto Vera. I know I know a lot of people want O'Malley to take a couple you know, fights to get his confidence back. That, that kid doesn't need that. He He keeps his confidence no matter what. So if he's ready to be thrown to the Wolves, why not throw him? If he thinks he's ready, why not have him fight Cruz? And if he loses, then we know he needs to take you know three or four more fights to get back up there and keep you know, progressing. But why not give it to him? Vicente Luque. Michael Chiesa would be the fight to go for right now, obviously. Um, or Gilbert Burns, if Burns you know wants to get back in there right now, unless they're going to do Burns Wonderboy next. Who knows? You know. So yeah, either one of those would be great. Obviously fought Wonderboy. You're probably not getting Colby. So either Kiesa or Burns makes sense. Stipe, uh, take time off, fight for the belt, or the next top contender later this year. So, I mean, I'd say if uh, Stipe wants to take time off, uh, let's say they do. Let's say they get to do Jones and Ganu, 
Maybe Stipe comes back and fights Derek Lewis here in three, four months, tries to get a win there, and then fights the winner of Ngannou and Jones. For Ngannou, obviously the number one option would be John Jones. Um, it's the biggest fight he can get. And it's the biggest fight for his legacy. You know, if he beats John Jones, all bets are off with this guy. I don't know if he'll ever lose until he starts to really slow down, but this could be a crazy two, three-year run if he beats John Jones. Um, two would be Derek Lewis. Uh, obviously, they fought three years ago. It was the most boring fight in UFC history. He lost via decision. Neither guy should count that as a win or a loss. It should have been a no con. Should have been a loss on both guys' records or a no contest because that's what it was—a no contest. But that can be that needs to be played back. I think at some point, and I think it looks completely different now because I think Ngannou knows. You know, if Ngannou fights this way, he's going to catch anybody he wants. So, and then I didn't put Stipe on there because I think Stipe should take time off. So that shouldn't be next. The trilogy should not be next. If it is next, I think that's good for Francis because I think, you know, you need to take time off when you get knocked out like that, you know? So, you know, that's that's just what I think. Uh, Jones-Lewis. So, okay, that was the MMA segment. What I'm going to be doing now starting next week is there's going to be two separate shows. It's going to be one show of all other sports and even different uh, breaking news or headlines from around the world not involving sports. And then there's going to be, that'll obviously be the longer show, hour to an hour and a half. And then there will be an, my own MMA combat sports show as well. That will be around 25 to 35, maybe 40 minutes long. So there's going to be two separate shows each week from here on out. Um, I like I think I want to just break off and do combat sports on its own because I can go, I feel like I can just go more in depth on things in combat sports instead of having to worry about getting to other things as well. It'll just be on combat sports. So that that's the news starting next Monday or Tuesday. You'll either you'll either get the combat sports show or you'll get the show with, you know, all the other sports and then even other news outside of sports, you know, just any news around the world involving anything, political, COVID, you know, just breaking news, any you know, anything going on. But now this is the last one I'm gonna do with everything combined. So that was the first no, first 26 minutes of combat sports. I'll even be able to go longer, you know, an extra 20, 30 minutes on the other when I break it off because I'll be able to go more in-depth on everything. So we're going to get into a little would you rather. Like I said, it's going to be four basketball, four football. So we'll start off with would you rather have Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? So if you would ask me this two months ago, I would have said Jalen Green. I'm going to go Jalen Suggs, though. I think he's more NBA, I think he's just more all-around NBA-ready. Neither of them shoot the three very well. I like Suggs on defense more. I like his playmaking more than I like Jalen Green, so I would go Jalen Suggs. Would you rather have Mobley or Kuminga? Again, I would have probably said Mobley before the tournament. I think Mobley, his, his offensive game was not as polished as I thought it was. I like Kuminga. I would go Kuminga over Mobley, in my honest opinion. Um... It's going to depend on your need as well, though, because I don't think there's much... Mobley and Kaminga aren't much of a difference. I definitely would take Suggs over Green. If you'd want to take Mobley over Kaminga, I probably would say, okay, because Mobley is scary good defensively. I'm going Kaminga, though, right now, slightly. Would you rather have Embiid or Jokic? Jokic, for sure. Um, I think he's a better all-around center. Obviously, Embiid, probably better defensively, for sure. But I just like Jokic. More healthy as well. I like how how he makes his teammates better. Um, I'm just a Jokic guy for sure. Dame or Luka? I'm I'm a Luka. I'm I'm Luka. I'm, I think I'm Team Luka. I'm not, it's close though because Dame is so good. 
Right now, I'm going Dame, actually. If we're going right now, I'm going to say I'm going right now. I would take Dame Lillard right now. In a year or two, probably Luka. But right now, I'm going to go Dame Lillard because I think he should be the MVP of the league. Would you rather have Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? Justin Fields is easily the second-best quarterback in this draft, and I don't think it's really close. Yeah, I think the arm talent of Wilson is nice, but I think Fields has as high of a ceiling, and I think he's just a better quarterback. Justin Fields, easily. Would you rather have Trey Lance or Mac Jones? I think Mac Jones is so overhyped. I do not I have I do not have Mac Jones as a first round grade. I have him as a early second round grade, in my opinion. And I understand though that quarterbacks get taken higher. But I have a early second round grade on Mac Jones. I don't think he's that good. I'd take Trey Lance. I really would. I think his upside's way higher than Mac Jones. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara? McCaffrey. I think he's a better runner. And I think he's as as good, if not better. I think actually he is better out of the backfield, too. I think he's just a better all-around running back. I don't think it's close. I think McCaffrey is easily the best running back in the NFL. Would you rather have Rodgers or Wilson? Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. You know, I, I just I would prefer Rodgers on my team to win a game than I would Russell Wilson. I'm not going to lie. So there was some would-you-rather. All right, so now we're going to need a little NBA headlines. Just go through some quick headlines, then I'm going to do come playoff time, who are my top three teams in the conference, and we'll get into my 1.0 2021 NBA mock draft. So Magic, obviously, were the big sellers at the deadline. Vucevic to the Bulls for Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, and two unprotected first-round draft picks. Aaron Gordon to Denver. For R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, and a first-round draft pick. And then Fournier to the Celtics. So they just pretty much dumped everything. They might have two. You know, depending on how the Bulls end up finishing, they might have two top ten picks, which would be great for them. Um, that would turn out to be a great trade, I think. So, yeah, big sellers. Old Depot to the Heat for Bradley, Olenek, and a first-round swap. Thought that was a steal. How much of the Rockets just bottled that Harden trade, man? Look what the Thunder got for Paul George. And you got nothing for James Harden. Nothing. Squat. This is this was worse than the Cavs trading uh, Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and a first-round pick. They at least got Colin Sexton out of it. You didn't get Karis LeVert or Jared Allen. And the guy you got, you just traded away for Avery Bradley... Kelly Olenek in a first-round swap in 2022, which you're just going to stay at your pick because the Heat aren't going to be bad. What in the world? Maybe the worst, just the worst trade in NBA history. I can't believe it still. They had Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and two first-round picks for James Harden. How much money did Brooklyn give the Rockets under the table? Because who in their right minds made that trade? Who in their right minds? Did you just not want to trade him to Daryl Morey? Is that what you wanted? Is that, was that the issue? Are you kidding me? You would have got Ben Simmons, who you can build your te- start to build your team around. Tyrese Maxey, who can be a starter in this league. And two extra first-round picks. Good Lord, man. Good Lord. They bottled it. Uh, Lakers land Drummond. Nets land Aldridge. Move on from that. Not much new. The Aldridge... Skip Bayless said that LaMarcus Aldridge 
<laughs> he said LaMarcus Aldridge is a better basketball player than Andre Drummond right now. Good Lord, man. Blazers and Raptors swap Gary Trent and Norman Powell. And Rodney Hood also goes to the Raptors. Not understanding why the Blazers did that. Not going to lie. LaMelo out for year. Should he still win rookie of the year? For sure. Just because he's out doesn't mean he wasn't going to continue that stat. He was still going to continue that stat line, which I hope Halliburton wins it because I think, I think Anthony Edwards is, I think he's he's good, but people think he's going to be great. I don't think so. Uh, Clippers trade Lewell to the Hawks for Rondo. Great trade. I actually really like that trade. That was smart. Actually, I'm being legit. That was smart. Nuggets land Javel. Also big. Defensive center. They needed it. They needed somebody that when Jokic goes out, you come in to provide defense and rebounding. Bucks at P.J. Tucker and Austin Rivers. Like that a lot. Sixers at George Hill. I love the... This is what you do to win championships. You go at good vets that know how to win and play in big-time big time games. George Hill knows how to miss free throws in big-time games. Come playoff times, here are your top three teams in each conference. Uh, so in the East, I'm going Nets, Heat, Bucks, or the three teams. Let's rearrange just the three teams I trust the most. I'm going Nets, Heat, Bucks, or the three teams I trust the most. In the West, Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers. People are going to say, you trust the Clippers? Who else am I going to trust? The Jazz? No. The Suns? No. Where are they proven? I know the, some of the Clippers guys aren't very proven either, but now they have Rondo and Kawhi. The Blazers? The Mavs? Come on. Let's be real. Clippers are in there for sure. So now we get into my 2021 NBA mock draft 1.0. I just go off the cert- the standings. I'm not doing a damn random lottery thing. We're going to go off the standings. So at the first pick, I would have the timber of selecting Cade Cunningham, who is the best player in this draft. No questions asked, in my opinion. The Houston Rockets at two select Jalen Suggs. Go get a play. Go get the best guy. Houston, you already messed up everything else. Go get the best guy and don't just draft somebody because of position. Go get the best guy. At three, I got the Pistons taking Jalen Green. Again, go take the best guy. And shooting guard is actually kind of a need. So go take the best guy again, though, in Jalen Green. Uh, Magic. Maybe the Magic don't want to pay Wendell Carter Jr. $20 million a year. So I have them drafting Evan Mobley. I think it's a smart decision. Uh, I think he's better than Wendell Carter anyway. Maybe you do a sign and trade. You sign Wendell and trade him away. We'll see what happens. I have the Cavs taking Jonathan Kaminga, power forward. Pair him with Jared Allen because I think they do move off of Kevin Love this offseason. So you bring Kaminga in to play alongside Jared Allen, and you have your point guard, shooting guard duo up top with Sexton and uh, Garland, and then you have Isaac Corr as your three. Great young core. Um, Wizards, I actually have them taking Franz Wagner, small forward. I know people are like, dude, they just took a small forward last year. Yeah, man, maybe it's not working out, though, and I like Franz a lot, and uh, I think it'd be a good move. You could take a center here, but my opinion, it's not very deep at center, so you don't reach when you're at six. You either trade back or you take the best available, and I like Wagner's upside. I have the Raptors taking Scotty Barnes, small forward from Florida State. Again, a guy I think that's going to be a stud. Magic at eight. Obviously could have two top ten picks because of the Bulls. I have them taking James Booknight, the shooting guard from UConn. You get your defensive anchor at center. Now you get your bucket maker at shooting guard in book night. At nine, the Oklahoma City Thunder pairing pairing next to Shea Gilgis at the one. Keon Johnson, the shooting guard from Tennessee. Love his game a lot. Think it's a great, I think it's be a match made in heaven. Pacers, I have them taking point guard Sharif Cooper. Um, you know, I think Brogdon's natural position, natural position would be a two. 
There's been rumors maybe they could trade Brogdon this offseason. You know, maybe a contender wants him. So we'll see what happens there. I have them taking Sharif Cooper. I have the Pelicans also taking a point guard at 11, Davion Mitchell, who I think had a great end of the year. He's moved himself into a lottery-type pick. Great point guard, plays defense, can shoot the three. Davion Mitchell to the Pelicans. At 12, the Kings select Isaiah Jackson, the power forward from Kentucky. Maybe the most athletic guy in this class. Top three for sure. Unbelievable athleticism. Kings need a guy like this. At 13, I have the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Corey Kispert, the small forward from Gonzaga. Um, you know, shooter would come in, play right alongside Jaw, and give Jaw another weapon out around him for shooting. Love this pick by the Grizzlies. Uh, Warriors, I have them taking Moses Moody, the wing from Arkansas. Just a playmaker and a bucket maker I think they need. They got their center in Wiseman. They got Curry. Clay's getting older. Draymond getting older. How much do you like Oubre and Wiggins? Moody can come in and be that guy. At 15, I got Boston taking power forward Kai Jones from Texas. They need a power forward. He's a freak athlete, can play both ways. Tremendous two-way player. Kai Jones to the Celtics at 15. At 16, the Atlanta Hawks select Cam Thomas, the shooting guard from LSU. Don't really think the Hawks like Bogdan. I think they're going to try to move off in this offseason. I think that was a bad contract, but it happens. Cam Thomas, the shooting guard from LSU, to the Atlanta Hawks at 16. Alperin Sengun from Turkey to the Knicks. This kid's good. You know, and they've they've been known, you know, they they will draft some overseas guys. Um, and this kid's talented, so I, I could see them reaching here at 17. Uh, it's not not really even a reach, but I could see them taking here at 17 because they're not going to have a top pick. They're going to make the playoffs. Thunder, add, have another pick. I have them taking Duke, small forward, Jalen Johnson. Again, I think upside is there. There's a lot of upside. There's also a lot of questions on how much does he like ball. That's why you have you see him falling, in my opinion, to 18. I got the Hornets at 19 taking Io Desumu, shooting guard from Illinois. Pair him next to LaMelo Ball. Love that. Spurs take Zaire Williams, uh, wing from Stanford. Kick, and I think he's going to even get higher in the mock drafts as we get closer to the draft. So this, in my opinion, would be a steal here for San Antonio. Knicks back on the clock. They pick point guard Trey Mann. Yeah, they got Rose and Frank. I think they realize Frank's probably not the future, though. Trey Mann is a stud. 6'5", like his game. Trey Mann to the Knicks. At 22, the Nuggets like Josh Giddy, the shooting guard from Australia. Kid can play. Uh, and, you know, I think he goes in. He can fit right alongside Jamal Murray, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. So I like this a lot. Josh Giddy can be a player. And I think he's another guy that could rise in the mock drafts as we get closer. The Rockets. Well, would this be their third? No, this would be their second. They do have three, though. They picked... They have them picking Usman Garuba, the power forward from Spain. You like they want to play Christian Wood at the center. Okay, you drafted your point guard in Suggs. You now have your power forward in Garuba. Um, then I have the Lakers at 24 picking Josh Christopher, the shooting guard from Arizona State. Don't think he falls to 24, but if he's there, Lakers will take him. Rockets back on the clock. I have them taking Marcus Bagley, the small forward from Arizona State. Now you got a wing, you got a point, you got a guard, a wing, and a big for the Rockets. A good draft class so far. Um, then you got the Clippers at 26, taking Gerard Butler, the point guard from Baylor. They need a point guard, in my opinion. Don't think Rondo play, you know, we'll see if Rondo plays two years there. I don't know. You know, Pat Bev, you know, you got to go somewhere. You got to get younger at some point. 
uh, 27. The Sixers take Greg Brown, the freak athlete, power forward from Texas. He's obviously falling because second half of the year wasn't great for him. I think he ends up going higher than 27, though, but you know we'll see as we get closer. Right now, his stock's not as high. At 28, a guy that was a five-star prospect went to Western Kentucky, Charles Bassey, going to the Nets at 28. This kid's a stud. Obviously, he you know he chose to go to Western Kentucky, though, and didn't have the dominant year everyone thought he was going to have. People probably thought 30 and 12 for him, him playing at Western Kentucky, but he's still got tons of upside. Um, point guard Jaden Springer to the Suns at 29. You know, Chris Paul getting, definitely getting older. Probably plays two years in Phoenix, and then you try to look younger. Why not bring in Springer? Chris Paul can mentor him for sure. Great move here for the Suns. Then I got the Jazz uh, picking uh, Chris Duarte. Can be a point guard in the NBA, in my opinion, at 6'6". He's got good handle. Bring him in. Mike Conley's not getting younger. So there was my 1.0 mock dra- 2021 NBA mock draft. So now we're going to get into overreaction or not. Nets signing Aldridge is a big deal. Good Lord. It is a massive, massive overreaction. It's so big. It's such a big overreaction, dude. He's not that good anymore. He can't play defense. And he's limited offensively, in my opinion, too. He's so slow. It's such an overreaction. Patriots won free agency. Not an overreaction. I thought they did. I thought Belichick and, you know, they came out swinging for the fences and they landed it. They landed the knockout blow. Great for agency by the Patriots. They definitely won it. Trilogy with Dustin is do or die for Connor. Uh, do or die on having a longer career, in my opinion. I think even with a loss, he could still get the trilogy with Nate. And there's still some other fights there, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, it probably is do or die. You know, if you're talking about, you know, wanting to reach the pinnacle of the sport again, I would say it is do or die, yes. Um, Are the Paul brothers hurting boxing? The Paul brothers are hurting boxing, overreaction or not. Oh, and Trilogy with Dustin is do or die for Connor. I think it is not an overreaction. I think to get to the pinnacle of the sport again, I would say he needs that win. So I would say it's not an overreaction. The Paul brothers are hurting boxing. It's an overreaction that they're hurting boxing. I don't think they're hurting boxing. They're doing their own thing. They're really just doing their own thing. So, no, I think it's I think it's an overreaction. I think it's good because it can bring more eyes. Especially if Jake starts fighting legit boxers at some point. You know, Logan Paul's fighting Floyd. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's an overreaction that they're hurting boxing. No, I think the hurts boxing is having 105 titles per division and it being corrupt. That's what hurt boxing. These old boxing heads, they want to point to the Paul brothers and these celebrities for hurting boxing when um, in all reality it's themselves that have hurt boxing. Evan Mobley and Jalen Sugg should be drafted over Cade. That is a massive overreaction. Cade is easily the best player in this draft. It's just, come on. Lakers are no longer favorites to come out of the West. Massive overreaction as well. They're not, they don't have their two best players. So how can we say if they're good or not, you know, or what they are? They're obviously going to be a great team when they get Anthony Davis and LeBron James back, two of the top three players in the world. It's a massive overreaction. Gonzaga walks through the Final Four. Not an overreaction. I bet they beat UCLA by 25, 30 points, and I bet they beat... If they play Baylor, I'll say 10 to 15. If they play Houston, I bet it's 20. 
I bet they guaranteed they win the next two games by at least double figures in both. That's not an overreaction. So final four predictions. Gonzaga, UCLA. I just think Gonzaga is too much. I see them winning, I'm going to say like 92-66. We'll go 92-66. We're going to score a prediction. Baylor, Houston. A little bit more low scoring. Probably a little bit more competitive. I'm going to go Baylor, 75-67 Baylor would be my prediction. And then I think Gonzaga beats Baylor 82-70 in the national title. So now before we get in the NFL, we're going to get into my top 10 favorite moments over LeBron's career. Um, so obviously everyone knows he's one of my two favorite athletes of all time. Um, and so this is episode 23. So it's only... Only right that I do my top 10 favorite moments over his career. Like I said, this could be a game, a series, a playoff run. could be anything. So number 10 is the 51-point performance versus Golden State in the 2018 Finals. Yes, I know it was a loss. The Cavs, almost everyone said that the Warriors would sweep the Cavs, correct? Well, LeBron in Game 1 puts on the performance of a lifetime, 51-8-8. Uh, draws a charge on Kevin Durant that was un- unreviewable. Then the refs huddled up and decided it was a block, which was was wrong. The, even the two-minute report said it was a charge, and the, the refs should not have been able to change that. Uh, the Lakers were the, the the Cavs were up one. The Cavs were up one. They would have got the ball back. Could have shot two free throws. Went up three, forcing the Lakers to have to shoot a three. So. But the 51-8-8, it was, you know, with that team, it was a bad Cavs team for him to even be in the NBA Finals and then have game one taken away from like that. George Hill misses a free throw. You know, J.R. Smith doesn't know the time. But that 51-point performance is one of the all-time greatest Finals performances ever, in my opinion. So that would be number 10. Number 9, buzzer beater versus the Bulls in 2015. I believe it was the Eastern Conference semifinals to tie the series 2-2. The score is 84-84, about 1.5 on the clock, I think. Uh, David Blatt drew up a play. LeBron scrapped it and said, I'm taking the ball. Caught the ball in the corner, shot a long two, put it in to tie the series 2-2. Goes to overtime, you never know what could happen. The Cavs could have been down 3-1 and lost that series. Um, Number eight, favorite moment all time would be buzzer beater versus Orlando. In Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2009, I believe there was one second exactly left on the clock. Catch and shoot at the top of the key over Hito Turgaloo to win the game and tie the series 1-1. They obviously would go on to lose that. So the Magic would make the Finals and lose to the Lakers. At 7, uh, beating the Spurs in an all-time classic 7-game series. I know people are going to think this should be higher, but you know there's a lot of great moments. But this series is crazy. Obviously down 3-2. You know, down 94 to 89 with 22 seconds left. Uh, LeBron hits a three. So, yeah, LeBron hit a... The Manu misses a free throw. Goes one for two at the line. LeBron hits a three. Then Kawhi goes one for two at the line. LeBron misses a three. Bosh rebound. Allen hits the game tie in three. Sends it to overtime. They win in overtime. Then go on to win game seven as well. Number six would be winning a title with L.A. last year. Um, 
obviously he's the best player of all time and the only guy to ever win three titles with three different teams and three finals MVPs. Just solidified him as the greatest player ever. And, you know, it was a special run through the bubble. Number five, probably the least, probably my least, you know, I would say the least competitive final series he's won would be the first NBA title, but it it means more means more than the Lakers in the Game 7 because it was the first title. Finally, the monkey off his back, beats the big three of OKC with KD, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, they got down 1-0 in that series and then went, went on to win Game 2 in Oklahoma City and then won three straight in Miami to win the series. Uh, number four... 2018 playoff run. Uh, like I said it was the year that year was when Kyrie, you know, quit on the team. And then you know you had all the trades at the deadline, trading all the older guys away, and then he goes on a crazy run. They what th- up three two. So he gets the block on Oladipo in game five, I believe it was. And then he hits the buzzer beater to win it. Then they lose game six, and they come back and win game seven at home to go into the second round. They sweep Toronto. He has the the buzzer beater against Toronto as well at home. They sweep them. Then they get to play Boston. Uh, they played terrible at Boston all series. Long series tied 3-3. They go to Boston. Um, you know, he, gets, he has the block on Rozier. Uh, then the... M one to basically seal it, go up ten, you know. And then they get to the NBA Finals that year with that team. You go look at that roster, and there'd be no player in, in in the NBA, zero players in the NBA that could get that roster to a an NBA title. So that's why it's one of my favorite moments. That playoff run was just one of my favorite moments ever. And then obviously, even though I was only you know eight years older in this one, twenty five straight points to beat Detroit in Game Five. You know, no one thought Detroit was going to be taken down by Cleveland that year. Uh, LeBron scores 25 in a row, 29 of the last 30 to beat Detroit in 2007 in Game 5. Like I said, that was in Detroit, and then they go back and close it out. Game 6 in Cleveland to go to the NBA Finals. Obviously, was swept that year by the Spurs. 22-year-old LeBron James you know, upsets the, the Pistons. They were the beast of the East during that time. Uh, number two favorite moment would be the look in Game 6 versus Boston. I believe it was in 2012. Um, the Eastern Conference Finals. He goes. They're down three two. He goes for forty five fifteen five. Has that unbelievable, you know, unbelievable picture that still goes around of him with the glare or the stare. But uh, that was one of his best performances in a single game ever. You know, back against the wall, you lose. Where does the big three go from here? That'd be two years, no NBA titles. He clutches up in the biggest moment of his career, forty five fifteen and five, and they get it done. Then they win Game Seven. And go on to beat the Thunder that year. Uh, number one is obviously the three-one comeback for his Golden State, back-to-back forty-one point games. Uh, games five and six, triple-double in Game Seven, uh, getting the block on Iguodala to you know save the to save the lead, and probably the greatest defensive play of all time. But yeah, so episode twenty-three had to do my top ten favorite moments over LeBron of LeBron James' career. Uh, and there's many more, but 
obviously the these ten these ten in my opinion are my favorite. Maybe not the best. Maybe there's different ones that are the best, but these would be my favorite. All right, so now we'll get on to NFL headlines. Obviously, Breeze retired. Um, the jobs won since the lose, correct? I mean, I'd say so. It would have to be his job. If they they cannot start, what's his name? The running back. You got to start Jameis Winston. I think Winston can be really good in that offense. Uh, Watson now faces 19 lawsuits. You know, I'm not going to speak on what you know what's true and what's not because I don't know, but 19 sexual har- sexual harassment lawsuits is a lot. It's a lot. Either these women all gained up to lie and try to get money from him, or he is a piece of shit. We'll see. Every everything will come to the, everything will come to the the front, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Burrow wants Cincinnati to draft Jamar Chase actually instead of a tackle. Ah, Burrow, come on, hey, let's protect you. You know, I think they should draft <laughs> you know Sewell if he's there. Maybe if Sewell gets taken before and you don't you don't like any of the other tackles at that spot, maybe take Chase and take a tackle in round two. Wouldn't be, but if Sewell's there, you take Sewell. Uh, NFL will now play a 17-game regular season. They've added the, uh, a game to everybody's schedule, so more regular season football, less preseason. 49ers move up to three. Dolphins trade back up to six, and then Philly ends up moving down to 12. So what happened was 49ers went from 12 to three, Dolphins three to 12, and then Dolphins went from six to from 12 to six, Philly down from six to 12. Um, so 49ers obviously moved out to get a quarterback. I can't believe who I'm hearing they're probably going to get, which – You'll hear about on my mock draft. Uh, dude, good night. I can't believe it. Um, Buccaneers become the first team ever to return all 22 starters from their Super Bowl team. That's impressive. They should be the favorites heading into next year. Uh, Frank Wright won at Wentz. Now he'll either go, now this will either be his downfall or his rise to stardom as a coach. For sure. You know, he's either going to get, either this is going to be a disaster or it's going to be a total hit. And, you know, it's going to be like Frank Wright was a genius. Uh, ranking the top three destinations for Jimmy G now that the Niners have traded up to three. Uh, I had the Washington football team as one. They need a quarterback. They have a solid defense. Kind of goes into the same situation, in my opinion, that he's in in San Fran. Chicago or Denver. Three, all three options are great. Um, ranking the top three destination for Rodgers if the Packers don't commit to him long term. 49ers, Patriots, and Broncos make the f- most sense to me. You know, 49ers, really good team all around him. Patriots, you go play at Belichick, Broncos, you know, John Elway. So that would be my those would be my guesses for his top three destinations. Now we're getting into my 2021 NFL mock draft 2.5. So like I said, we're gonna get into where the Niners are thinking. Because again, I do my mock drafts of what I'm hearing, not what I would do. Now as it gets closer to the draft and probably like my very last mock draft before the draft, I'm gonna do one of what I would do and what I think should happen. These are all though what I think will happen. Um, this isn't what I would do because there's obviously this wouldn't be me. This wouldn't be what I would do if I was these teams, but what do I know? I guess. So one, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jaguars. That's not even a question. Two, it's pretty much, pretty much written in stone. I think right now that Zach Wilson's going to the Jets at two. Now the 49ers have moved up to three and it's rumored they're taking Mac. They are going to take Mac Jones from Alabama at three. That is crazy to me. Again, I don't have him more. I would say he's a, at best, a late mid or a mid to late first rounder. At best. 
Dude, I can't believe what I'm hearing about that. That's nuts. You took up to take you you traded all the way up to get Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what you did. That's what he is. I think his upside is Jimmy Garoppolo. You have that. Why are you wasting all these assets to go up and get that? There's no way, right? I hope they're sending just random signals that it's not true. I hope it's Fields or Lance. Because the upside on those guys are way better. And Fields is definitely a better quarterback than Jones. Lance is a little more iffy. The reason why I take Lance is because the upside is much higher, in my opinion. At four, I have the Atlanta Falcons taking Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. This guy's freak. There's no way he's not good. 6'5", 248 pounds, ran a 4'4", 40. Dude, yeah, the Falcons are going to take him because I, I don't think the Fal- what the Falcons have done restructuring Matt Ryan's contract is they're saying, okay, we're going to go two more years of Matt Ryan. So you're not going to take quarterback now, not this year. Maybe next year, not this year. So go get a team around Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts. At five, I have the Bengals taking Panay Sewell, the tackle from Oregon. They need to surround, you know, they need to protect Joe Burrow. At six, the Miami Dolphins take LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. I understand everyone is so in on Devontae Smith because he won the Heisman and he played last year and he was so good. Jamar Chase, though, to me, has the highest upside of wide receiver in this draft. I think he has just the most the most pure talent at wide receiver in this draft. I just don't think you can not take him as the top wide receiver. I'd be very shocked. Maybe the Dolphins will take Smith because... Almost everyone's saying that Chase is going to go. Is what I'm hearing is Chase is going to go to the Dolphins. But maybe they'll take Smith because of the Tua connection. At 7, though, I have the Detroit Lions, who now have their quarterback in Jared Goff. We'll see. I don't have them taking a quarterback, though. I have them taking Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. They need wide receiver. They lost Galladay. I don't think they're bringing back Marvin Jones, so we'll see what happens. Um... I have the Panthers taking Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. I heard that... They have Fields the lowest on their draft board. They would want Mac Jones or Trey Lance. So, well, here you go. You get Trey Lance. At nine, I have the Denver Broncos taking Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State, in my opinion, easily the second-best quarterback in this draft class, and he's the fifth taken in my mock draft because, again, what I'm hearing, I want to be closer to being correct. So I think he's going to be the last one taken. In my honest opinion, I think Fields, unless the 49ers are fucking with everybody, I think Fields will be the last quarterback taken. At 10, I got the Dallas Cowboys selecting Patrick Sertan, the corner from Alabama. They need defensive back help, in my opinion. I think the O-line, they're going to give them one more run. They're good at skill positions, good at quarterback. You could go linebacker. You know, you could go Parsons here if you like him so much. He's, I heard he had a great pro day. So if you like Parsons a lot, you could go Parsons. No safety you're taking at 10. Probably not going to take one of the pass rushers at 10 either. I think the highest I have a pass rusher going now is 18. So maybe unless you trade back. But yeah, so I think Sertan's a crack pick. Then I have the Giants taking Caleb Fowler, the other corner from Virginia Tech. I think whoever the Cowboys take or don't take, that's who the Giants will take. I have the Eagles taking Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver from Alabama. Get get uh, Jalen Hurts some weapons. Um, Chargers taking Rashawn Slater, tackle out of Northwestern, protect Herbert. Shaw, the tackle from Virginia Tech, going 14 to the Vikings. They give up too many sacks. Got to go tackle. Then I have the Patriots taking Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Phenomenal pro day. Obviously, there's some off-the-field issues, but I think he's too talented to slide farther down here. I think he really could go somewhere from 9 to 12, but the Patriots get him at 15 here in my mock draft. 
Uh, Cardinals shirt up a lot of things. I have them going Elijah Vera Tucker, the interior alignment from USC. Again, protect Kyler Murray. At 17, I got the Raiders taking Jeremiah Owosu-Kormoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. They need help defensively bad. They were awful last year. Get your man in the middle. Uh, Dolphins obviously took Jamar Chase earlier. I now have them taking edge rusher Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Um, be nice to get a, a pass rusher. You, you know, you release Van Noy, bring in Rousseau. At, four, at 19, I got the Washington football, team's take, Washington football team. I'll call them the football team today. Feeling generous. Um, taking J.C. Horn, the corner from South Carolina. Why not keep boosting up that defense, right? I don't think you're taking Kyle or uh, Kyle Trask here at quarterback, so go boost that defense some more. Um, at 20, the Chicago Bears select Tevin Jenkins, tackle from Oklahoma State. He's flying up draft boards. Um, they need offensive line protect Andy Dalton. <laughs> at 21, I got the Colts taking Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. I know they brought back T.Y. Hilton. They got they got a uh, Pittman, but why not bring another weapon for Wentz? You know, I think that was also there was an issue of Wentz also you know maybe being too too into himself, but also maybe lack of weapons and so many injuries. Get him some more weapons. At twenty two, the Titans take Greg Newsom, the second cornerback from North Northwestern, flying up draft boards as well. Uh, I believe they did release a Dory Jackson, so you kind of need a corner. Here you go. Jets took a quarterback earlier. I have them taking edge rusher from Michigan, Kawiti Paya. Steelers, nothing really changing here for the Steelers. Got to go offensive lineman. Samuel Cosby, tackle from Texas. Um, Jaguars, pick Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Go get his protection. Jalen Mayfield, tackle from Michigan. Um, Browns select Christian Barmore, D- interior D lineman from Alabama. Just go secure that D line. You know, you could have, you know, Garrett with Barmore, you know, Olivier Vernon, and you might bring in Jadavion Clowney. That D line's nasty. Uh, Ravens, I have them taking Aziz Olajari, the edge rusher from Georgia. I think they need some pass rush. Saints, Jalen Phillips, edge rusher from Miami. Um, again, a team I think needs more pass rush. Packers, I actually have them taking a skill guy for Rodgers. Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver from Florida. Gives you a lot of versatility. He can catch the jet sweeps, screen passes. He's very fast. I love this pick. Be great for Rodgers to get another weapon. Um, Bills taking Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. Uh, I think the run game is what they're missing. It wasn't very good last year. You get Najee Harris. Now you got the deep ball and you got the run game going. I love this pick. Chiefs got to go Zayvon Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. He's a stud, in my opinion. He could is a guy that could go higher, anywhere from 18 to 23. So if you can get him at 31, that's nice. And they need a linebacker bad. And I got the... I got the Buccaneers selection, selecting Wyatt Davis, interior O-line from Ohio State. Just to get younger at interior O-line, um, you know, it'd be a good pick. I think he's better than 32 also. Uh, people have him falling down the draft boards right now. I think he's more of a top 20 pick, but, you know, again, what do I know? So that will be it for today's podcast. Again, next week it'll be two, well, two episodes a week. One will be just strictly in combat sports, and one will be the rest, adding in some breaking news from around the world and other headlines. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.